It's time for the No Shot Clock Podcast. We're talking the biggest stories in Illinois high school basketball. Hey, now, here are your hosts, Michael O'Brien of the Chicago Sun-Times and Joe Hendrickson of the City Suburban Boost Report. Welcome on in to No Shot Clock. City Championship is all wrapped up uh, kind of a week early, so we've got that to talk about, plus a lot more. We're going to answer just like a lot of questions, I guess, Joe. We've got the questions from the mailbag, and then questions that you have prepared for us, um, some takes on the season, and some players. Yep, City, uh, city Championship is wrapped up. Um, sectional seeds come out this week. We are... We're really right in the stretch run. I mean, this is that little lull that we had, you know, early February is is, is kind of gone because now we we just have a sprint to the finish and get right into state playoffs in two weeks. Unless you are a CPS team, most of them are off for the entire week <laughs> because of the <laughs> schedule. I guess Curie picked up that game, a couple yeah. games, I think. Um But yeah, it was weird. All the high-level CPS teams, it, they moved the – city title game up a week to be with this all-star stuff um so yeah it's got, it was originally the first round was supposed to be thursday of last week not tuesday whatever yeah i didn't even um, think about that yeah it doesn't seem like it because the season it's kind of the same time as last year but the season goes a week later right longer yeah, yeah. so yeah they move things up just a smidge maybe not even a full week maybe like half a week but anyway um but yeah it's led to some strange scheduling for the high level cps teams who we do have some games the last week, but none this week. Um, but they could probably use a break after uh, after all that stuff. So let's um, start it off with the mailbag, then we'll do our two takes, then we'll get into the special feature. First question from Marty Michazik, and I'm pretty sure I didn't ask this one last week. It's a leftover that I forgot, but it it's, an, it's a question I'm very interested in. How much college interest is Wabonzi Valley's Marcus Skeet getting, and what level do you think he best fits at? Uh, a lot of Division two schools have been checking him out. You know, right now, uh, that's kind of where he's at. High-level D3 and, and then some Division twos. So uh, he's a small college prospect who has clearly enhanced his stock this senior season, as, even compared to the offseason in the summertime. Because even in my reports we go out to college coaches, I've even, you know, kind of revved up my um, my take on him as a, pro- as a player and prospect because he's had a terrific senior year. Yeah, I loved him last year. I finally saw him this year on Saturday at Clemente, and he played real well. I asked him after the game about this, and he said he has interests from all three, from D1, D2, and D3, but no offers at all right now, which for a player as good as him was pretty surprising to me that he didn't even have a D2 or D3 uh, offer. Well, I mean, there's plenty of Division three. I mean, they don't have technically offers, so, I mean, they – there's a boatload of Division threes that would love to have him. Uh, I think I, I think so. I think some of them are, you know, anticipating maybe he's going to get a Division two NEIA type school offer. So we'll see how that plays out between now and uh, the spring. Yeah, you know, he seems to have really good makeup too. You know, Jason Mead, the Wabanzi Valley coach, as I was talking about how he helped take this program, you mm-hmm. know, to the next level. And when you talk to him after the game, he he comes off as that type of kid too. Um, so yeah, it's a uh, Good fit for somebody out there, I'm sure. Next up, Anthony Diaz with an awesome question. Anthony wants to know if Joliet West has what it takes to get down state this year. He says yes. What do you think, Joe? What's Mike O'Brien say? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Uh, we do. And watching that Collinsville game, I'm even more excited. (laughs) Those listeners that that are just taking Mike's um, yes with a grain of salt, uh, I will back it up. Yes, they have the. I, I just put them as the number one seed in their sectional, and uh, which my sectional seeds will be out this week as they prepare to do their own. And you get in that super sectional. That's the thing, Mike. If you get rolling, you get a regional wins, you get some sectional wins. You're feeling good. Any team then at that point, you know they've got a ton of confidence. They're feeling good. They're playing obviously well. They've strung together these big wins high-stakes games, you get to the super sectional, and it's an opportunity then, one game in your Peoria. And Collinsville, while being a very good team, is not unbeatable. Uh, so, And it's a weird 
dynamic as far as the super sectional game always at Illinois State because both teams are typically most of the time traveling so far. So it's just a kind of a weird uh, kind of setting. And I, yeah, they are they're clearly well. They got to get healthy. I mean, they, they they've got to get healthy. That is my concern. You know, Jameer Hill missing time, their best guard. And, yeah, if he gets back, great. But what has he lost? What kind of shape are you in? Those types of things, the, the rhythm, all of that. That's a concern with, with what they've been dealing with over the last few weeks. Yeah, to me that's the biggest concern. And from what I, I just read this morning in the Juliet Herald News, it, it sounds like they are hoping he plays their next game, Jameer Hill against Plainfield South. I don't remember what day it was. It was Tuesday Yeah, it, it'd be huge to get a couple games on your exactly. belt before each yeah. yeah, but I would go – I mean, yeah, I am biased, but a fully healthy Joliet West to me is the favorite out of that super. Um, I didn't see enough out of that Collinsville game. Yeah, I've watched two on film. One, I thought they looked t- terrific that would beat a Joliet West at their peak, but then the one you mentioned – no, uh, Juliet West would beat that Collinsville team. So we'll see. And uh, next on up is Casey Taylor. Wants to know Aaron Eulis's chances at player of the year and our thoughts on the Spartans. You know, I, I, I'm a huge Aaron Eulis fan, probably bigger than, than a lot of other people, even as a college player prospect. I, I think what's undervalued with Aaron Eulis when player of the year conversation takes place is – how much Aaron Eulis means to that team. He, I mean, he does so much for Mary Catholic. And I think that's a, forgotten a little bit. Some of the other player of the year candidates do have a lot of support, a lot of wingmen. And I think Aaron Eulis takes a lot of uh, response, takes a lot of responsibility for Mary Catholic's season and success. So I, I think he's in the mix in the group. Uh, I just don't know if he's going to have quite enough ammo when it comes to the season Marion Catholic has had uh, overall. Yeah, Joe is polite and nice. Um, Aaron Eulis won't be player of the year. It's crunch time, guys. <laughs> no more messing around with that. It's a short list. Eulis is not on it right now. Great player. I'm also a big fan of, you know, not only Aaron and his game, but his family and everything they've done with Marion Catholic and helped turn them into a power. But yeah, Aaron Eulis won't be player of the year this season. Um, as far as the Spartans, you know, we've talked about them a ton. It's kind of been the same thing we've been saying all season when they're good, they look darn good. And, but the consistent, they're one of those, a group of teams we have, if you look at the ranking, there's a chunk of them, like 12 teams that can pretty much beat anybody, but also drop a lot of games. And it's when Mary Catholic shoots, well, they look good. And there are a lot of times when they don't, there's not a very good shooting team. So that is why. Uh, you know, Mary Catholic can look the way they do at times, but they're in that toughest sectional coming up, and that's going to be a, a, a tough team to play uh, because they are talented. Uh, next up is from Flozell. He uh, thanks Joe and I for coverage, which is nice, and then he has a two-part Catholic League question. He wants to know, if, uh, he says, have you ever, I mean ever, seen the peak and valley transition from any team in back-to-back seasons such as Providence St. Mel? A state champion to winless in the league and an overall record of two and twenty-five. Secondly, uh, in a, well, go, let's go, go ahead. We'll go with that. I, I just gonna say no. I haven't. I, I even made a point of that. I don't know who t- to who at the beginning of the year when I saw their scores. If you saw some of those scores, Mike, um, yeah. <laughs> I, I think in the teens and the twenties, I think I, I said that exact same thing. Holy cow! It just jumped out at you. But yeah, I, I, I have not. It's nuts. I saw their. I happened to see Providence St. Mel's sophomore team quite a bit last year, and the scores were that bad. So I was pretty worried <laughs> unless somebody showed up, it was going to be bad. And that has – I remember some, one of the ones at DePaul was one of the worst scores I'd ever seen a sophomore team have. Um, so, yeah, I don't know what, what the future holds there for Providence St. Mel. I feel like it must have happened before, though. That somebody won a state title well, and I, dropped off bad. I, I don't know. I mean, not, not, that, not that bad. I'm trying to think. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty severe. I mean, Seton uh, Academy, I don't think they dropped off. Anyway. Yeah, I mean, it probably would have been more like a 7 or 10 win team. 
Going down to two is pretty tough. Uh, he says, secondly, a league that changes its format every year. Is it time to rid one of the divisions and poach the annually competitive teams from the East Suburban Catholic and form a top three league in the state? So basically, Flozell's asking um, if the Catholic League should kind of rejigger things, steal the best of the East Suburban, and get a kind of Catholic League blue football type league. For well, I have, I have been told by a number of people that it's not if it happens, but when the East Suburban Catholic and the Chicago Catholic will merge and com- combine into one mega conference uh, with a North and a South. So when that happens, I don't know. Will it happen? A lot of people say it's going to happen eventually. Yeah, I mean, the football one first year was super successful. Um, I, I didn't hear anyone really complain about it. And if you set up a nice North and South divisions is interesting. I hadn't heard that part. I mean, if they did split it up a little bit more and did a tiered system. Well, I think like a lot football. of them are, a lot of them are trying to get away from the travel. Yeah. I mean, yeah. the travel in those leagues is yeah. crazy. Uh, you know, for, and football's different cause it's nine games and Friday night, but these these multiple games of traveling that they do in in a conference slate, you know, is it's it's pretty crazy. And right now, the East Suburban Catholic, they're only playing each other one time, which I don't think anybody likes. Yeah. So, you know, play that few of conference games. I think it would be so helpful for the Catholic League, though. They they need. It's just you know it just doesn't look good, and it's not good for Catholic League basketball that Jeremiah Williams comes over and spends the season talking about how he wanted to basically play in the better league. You know, they, they need to be, and, and there's enough good Catholic league teams in the area to create a league that could compete, you know, with the public league. So it would be good. I think to see that happen um, just to give people another option. Uh, next up, Joe Christensen. Joe says, if I got to vote, I would pick DJ Stewart for player of the year at this point, despite all that you said last episode about him not doing much in the area this season. My question is, when was the last time that the Sun-Times Player of the Year was not also the best player on the best team? I should mention Joe did send this before the city tournament got going. So, Best player. Well, that, that happens on the all the time. Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah. Curie was, I mean, I guess last year. Yeah, last year it fit. But there have been plenty of years when, like, Thornton was not the best team when Alonzo Verge won, um, you know, by any stretch. Um, right. That happens a lot. We picked the best player. The team has to be very, very good, though. Um, that's yeah. I mean, it's just like any other. It's really the, it's like any other player of the year, or any other sport. I mean, uh, college football, college basketball. You know, Heisman Trophy, NFL. I, I mean, it's just it has to be a, a phenomenal player on a great season that put together a very good team uh, year for the team. So. But yeah, it doesn't always have to be, you know, Heisman, I guess, is the one example of usually it is the best player in the best team, but um, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I would say it was weird because when, when Young lost in the quarters, it seemed like, oh boy, that's really bad for DJ Stewart's chances. But then the way things played out, I think it went pretty well for him overall because, you know, Adam Miller didn't have the big game you know, in the title game and Remy and Hinton got pretty well contained in the semis. Yeah. Like there was no big player of the year candidate that had a good final four. Yeah. I mean, I, At all. You, you said it too. I think last podcast, you know, sometimes the city is, the city playoffs have meant so much to the player of the year race. Yet. I think we both don't want to, maximize it as the be all end all and put too much stock into it. So it's kind of a tricky balance. It's at the right time of the year to kind of make a statement. Um, but yeah, this helps that they made it earlier now because now we're going to have a little cool off time. Right. Get your emotions in check. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Before, you know, somebody would have just dominated on the city and then we're picking like the next week and a half. So yeah. Um, the cooldown time, I think, might make things interesting. But, yeah, nobody made a statement um, to me. Uh, do, do you think anybody? I mean, Jeremiah Williams played really well. 
but I don't think he's had the season. No, I mean, as far as city playoffs are concerned, strictly the city playoffs, I, it, it didn't move the needle. Yeah, it's weird. E- either way. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I you know, if, if there was like one step forward, it's two steps back. That kind of thing happened. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you guys got to take the whole the whole grand the big picture of the whole season and, and break it all down. So last question here. Um, the emailer requested we not use his name, but his question is, he said a week or so ago, there was a doubleheader of high school games at Welsh Ryan arena. Yet a few years ago, the NCAA or IHSA did not allow colleges to host such things, referring to a recruiting advantage. Then he talks about how some things were moved. And he wants to know, was the rule changed? If so, when uh, the rule is, that a high school can host events at a division one college university, but it has to be the high school hosting. And that was Evanston hosting the event at Northwestern. So it was just fine with the NCAA. Um, Same thing goes for the Chicago elite classic. Since it is Whitney young and Simeon hosting, they're able to use, um, you know, where DePaul plays at Wintrust arena, that type of thing. The big issue was that the old city suburban, you know, showdown was not run by high schools. It was run by two private individuals, so they had to move out of Welsh Ryan and had a hard time finding, you know, different venues. But no, it's totally fine for a high school to host an event at a D1 university. Two takes. You want to start us off, Joe? Yeah, my first take is on Jeremiah Williams. Uh, you know, if you watch the Simeon Senior, he, he transferred from St. Lawrence, and we watched him just put together it phenomenal junior year uh mike and i i remember mike talking about him a ton early on in his career uh, i kind of boosted him up a ton last year as far as a stock as a prospect when he wasn't getting much hype and, and the beginning of this year it, it's been a slow process and, and i think we talked about in the podcast being a comfort level getting used to things but mike he was you know i know i'm not buying him was terrific in the semis and the and he scored 47 points in the last two games. He is an electric score, but Jeremy Jeremiah Williams is playing a some high level basketball. Not putting up the numbers he put up at St. Lawrence because he was he needed to last year for that team, but he does so many things well. And I guess my take is more about him as a prospect. And I find it a little peculiar and frustrating that the the recruitment interest and level isn't at a more intense and more intensity is involved. I I guess the word I'm yeah, he had mid majors last year or this last set for spring, uh, summer and fall, you know, Valparaiso, Southern Illinois, Northern Iowa, Akron, you know, they were all right there. And I I think he put it, you know, stock in himself and said, I'm going to play out my senior year at Simeon, a lot of exposure and hopefully garner some high major interest. Now, I, I don't necessarily think he's a high major prospect, but what I can't figure out is why there is not more intense recruiting from the mid major to mid mid major plus level. I'm talking, you know, the 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 A10 conference, you know, the the Dayton's and the St. Louis's of the world, the Mountain West Conference, you know, the Colorado States and the Utah States and Boise States. And those are some high level leagues that have done their share of recruitment in the Chicago area who have not been heavily involved with Jeremiah Williams. The knock is a shot. It's not broke. The shot is the one thing you see over and over and over again. Players get a little bit better. And, being a basketball player, uh, that doesn't get better. And that's what he is. And that's what he does. He is a baller who fills a stat sheet and does so much for that team. And now you see it on a pretty regular basis here in the last month for Simeon. Could not agree more. I mean, he was the best player in the city tournament, bar none. I mean, that's probably not going to be a player of the year statement, but in my mind, he was the – as Joe said, I mean, he did. He does a little bit of everything, and he does what's, what Simeon needed. We're go, this goes right into my take, and it is about Simeon and about something I have to – I think I'm going to take a – pat myself on the back that I was right about. I said very early in the season that Simeon needed to go small. 
and that this team was built to run and to go small. And that is not the way Simeon likes to play, so maybe they won't. And they didn't. They played their bigs, the three or four kind of program bigs they've got all season long until recently. And now they come out there with the starting lineup of Avion Morris, Fred Poole, Bynum Williams, and Drain, and they ran Curie out of the gym. Um, Curie admitted they had trouble getting used to it. Now, Robert Smith said that, that he actually made the change seven or eight games ago. That, But, you know, we hadn't seen them play, really. Um, but it's kind of shocking how little, you know, Sincere Callwood and Philip, Holm- Philip Holmes Jr. and, you know, the other bigs played in the Final Four, especially the last two games. But, boy, does it fit this team. And to make that work, though, it only works because of Jeremiah Williams. Because he gets in there and, you know, he is a bit of a rim protector when and those possessions when they really, really need it. He does do the rebound and he's getting, you know, 10 rebounds a game. And now Fred Poole's the other guy who, you know, he's not the rim protector type, but he's getting those rebounds that kind of fall where they shouldn't and really focusing on that. So because of the efforts of those two, they're able to you know, have Avion Morris in there starting and being that defensive lockdown guy the whole game. And what it does for Jalen Drain is unreal. You know, I've always been a big fan of Jalen Drain's game, but I'll admit the first half of the season, I didn't know what was going on. He just was not the player I thought he was going to become. And that's all changed. He needs to run. He needs more space. And he was really electric in a ton of moments, you know, these last two games. And I think, well, we'll talk about this later. You know, best team who's playing the best now. But, you know, I've been, I think anybody who listens knows I've been pretty not even up and down, down on Simeon this season. I, I'd i seen them fail too much. I thought they were just an above-average team that was going to have some bad games here and then. But with, with these lineup changes and with the way they are playing now, which is what suits the personnel, I'm really, really high on this team, which is easy to say after the city title. But it is what I thought all along and what seemed clear based on the personnel. Yeah, you and I have had some debate about Simeon, and I've, I believed in – Rob Smith trying to tinker and figure out yeah, and, and trying to get to this point. Anybody that saw, and that goes against a little bit of what he said about going small. Anybody saw the Notre Dame game, you know, Simeon, you know, that comfort level in the public league is different to me than when they play a, I don't know, go down south and play at Collinsville. They go down to Pontiac and play. They play when Notre Dame in the, sub, in the suburban shootout. You know, anybody that saw that Notre Dame game and how good Simeon played that game, now they got some solid contributions from some of their bigs in that one. But that to me was kind of the, yeah, they beat Morgan Park earlier in the week that week. But to me, when I saw that, I'm like, okay, we're on to something. And let's see if they push forward and, and use this as kind of the the starting point of this last mad dash. And boy, they, they've done that. And and how they won the city championship with what you said, like A.B.I. Morris, I mean, what the, the, the factor that he was. But, yeah, I, you know, you can't say enough about Simeon um, has done here in the last month. My, my, my second take is real short, quick, sweet, to the point. I Sectional seeds are coming out. And this is for all you coaches out there. I, every, most of the time, the seeds come out, and they're pretty much – I don't know how I see it, how most coaches would see it, but there's always an outlier. There's always a sectional or two that leaves you scratching your head. And I just encourage because, and I've, I've, I've complained and moaned about this for years, ever since they went away from the seating process of all getting together in one room, looking each other in the eye. And you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to shaft your team and you're looking at them across the table in a room, how they used to come together in sectional seating time. Now they do it from a computer, kind of like social media, just kind of click and put some notes in there and, and you can put seed any team without ever seeing the coach or having their say. Yes, they can research and read on, on a team, but it used to be so much better when they get together, they, they, they state their case and then they make the seeds. Then they come back and they see where the seeds are. But boy, you 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 can't really do that now because you can you can shaft a, t- a team and never ever talk or see the coach. So <laughs> yeah. I'm just telling you, do some homework, do some research. 
even if you are a 6-22 and 22 team and you know you're going to lose in the regional and you really don't care other than getting the season over with, put a little time and effort into it. See it accordingly. Look at the factors that go into what the seeding process is and do the job because I'm tired of certain sections just kind of just being thrown to, up for grabs because of a few coaches that, that just screwed all up. So that's my plea. That's my take. Just go do it this week. Or just follow my seeds that are going to be out in line. <laughs> I was going to say, maybe they don't need to do all that work, Joe. <laughs> maybe they could just go along with that. Um, next up is uh, we had a email a question come in. We're recording a lot earlier than normal, and it kind of works with my uh, take. So let's go right into it. It's a gentleman that anonymously wants to know if the CPS Final Four was built to have Jordan and Nike brand stuff beat Adidas and Under Armour teams because the Morgan Park and Simeon Nike teams beat the Kyrian Bogan, who are Adidas and Under Armour teams. And uh, the emailer says, the scores did not reflect the original game both teams played earlier in the season. I know Nike couldn't have those schools wearing other brands on broadcast TV, so I wonder what you guys think. I mean, I love a good uh, conspiracy theory as much as anybody, and... You know, the whole shoe company thing drives me nuts, but I honestly get the feeling that Nike does not care at all about that TV broadcast. (laughs) I don't think it's a big deal to them, the local TV broadcast, that they would care enough. And it sounds like they took care of all the teams exactly the same, from what I understand. Feel free to correct me, anybody, if you want to, but... um, and I will say some some positives kind of about the event. I'm going to talk about the city title event in the Final Four, is the take, but... I heard that Nike sent coach buses, you know, like fancy buses for the team, each team and the cheerleaders um, separately, which is not something that usually happens. You know, they didn't need to do that at all. That's a nice perk. You know, they gave out rings to the Simeon, to the winners, which is not a thing that usually exists. And overall, I think, you know, the Nike like PR rep was telling me they wanted the kids to feel like all stars. And a lot of the coaches did not enjoy the whole scene but they did say that you know it's for the kids so i think that's one way to look at all the atmosphere and the kind of crazy hoopla that went on i would and i asked the kids about it you know after the game i was like do you like this is it difficult to play in there do you prefer this and i'll say first off none of the kids seemed to love it (laughs) nobody was like oh yeah this is awesome my life is better um they all agreed that it was very difficult to shoot in that app in the environment the court is very bright Everything else is dark. And Ahmad Bynum mentioned that the second game was a lot easier because he was used to it. Um, I do think they, they clearly enjoyed getting the rings and that kind of stuff. But I don't know if it's that big of a deal to the kids overall. My point is, I, I've said lo- on this show and all over, all I care about is that people come watch. And people came and watched. The crowds were excellent for the, the final it was very good to see. Yeah, it was free, but there were a lot of other problems. And it was late notice, no advertising, a venue not a lot of people knew much about, that sort of thing. But the crowd was big. I would guess maybe 6,000. It's hard to tell because I never got to go up and like behind the backboard were these huge bleachers. And I'm not sure how many people could go up there, but I know that like 2,300 people could sit in the seats. And those were full at all times for the title game. And it just got me thinking, This is the, it was the third year in a row that we've had massive, by high school basketball standards, pretty massive crowds for the city title game. All three of those years, we did not have, there's no been, no Jabari Parker, no Jalil Okafor, no big, huge star. And all three of those years, it was, as usual, poorly run nobody knew when it was happening until too late where it was going to happen until too late how to get in how to get tickets can i park all the things that people with families especially really need to focus on you know you need to know what your plan is plus you know a group of guys who might want to think oh let's do that on sunday night or saturday you can't plan even a week ahead because you have no idea what's going on it boggles my mind to think about the crowd that the cps could have for its title game If you knew a month in advance where it was going to be, when it was going to be, how you could get tickets so you knew you wouldn't be standing outside in the cold, which is what people were worried about for this event. I mean, 
how big of a crowd could we get? I know, you know, Joe, you've mentioned you don't want a half empty United Center, but how many people could we get if you knew it was there? If we can get 6,000 on the drop of a hat with about a day and a half's notice, thinking you got to stand outside in the cold, one in, one out. I mean, forget about a month in advance. How about a whole season in advance? <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, like every other event in the world, the sports. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, it, it to me is just. I, it boggles the mind that you can't have set dates and a set venue when the season starts. Yeah. And the other thing is, and, and maybe you know the answer to this. I don't, I because I I did not go to the championship game. I watched it on television. I saw interviews done with explaining that this, you know, how did you put this together uh, in the interview? And it, it was in the works for months. We've been working on this for months. So I, I didn't know if it was in the works for months. Was it just always a girl's plan to have the girl? It, it was in the works for months. Yeah, it was It was Nike wanting to do whatever they could around the All-Star game. I had talked to some other people who were running events, who were running events in the city that always happened that Nike wanted their hand in because of the All-Star game. So I'm sure what they meant was Nike reached out and said, we're going to take care of this. If that's cool with you, CPS said yes. And then they were just waiting on Nike's details and Nike to put it together and that kind of stuff. Because right, well. the CPS did nothing. You, I mean, I'm sorry. I don't know that for a fact, but looking at the place, <laughs> CPS did not construct this. I mean, like the scoreboard, if you saw it. Was it, that the only scoreboard in the joint? There was also at the scorer's table one. But that, no, that's the, that's the only one I was that, – oh, that, no. from a television standpoint, there that's was, all you saw. There was one above, like a huge – like old United center size scoreboard that had this scaffolding rigging, the length of the armory to hold it up. This is why I'm sure CPS had nothing to do with this. <laughs> it was like a big time, the production quality and the way this thing looked in there was top notch. I mean, this was a huge multinational company's big effort at staging something. This was not a CPS endeavor. All right. Well, sorry. I missed it. Nah, don't be too sorry. <laughs> I, think it's, uh... I watched it on TV, that's, which wasn't of very good quality. But uh, Yeah, which is another not... reason I don't think, you know, back to this guy's question, that Nike clearly didn't care what it looked like on TV because yeah, it looked horrible. It was like, yeah, it was, it was bad. <laughs> Everybody knows you need good lighting for TV. Nike cared about selling its shoes to the 6,000 Chicago you know, teenagers that were there. It was funny. Like the the concept of the lighted court and the dark background looked cool on television, but you couldn't actually see the the product because it was like fuzzy and just off. Because uh, when I first thought about it, the old Los Angeles Lakers forum, like the great Western forum yeah. the Lakers played in, was always, and to a degree, it's the Staples Center kind of, like the still because they try to replicate it a little bit, but that's kind of what I thought. Oh, this is cool. It's going to be all lit up. You know, there's some other gyms. East Aurora comes to mind where the, the, the court is lit up and the stands are a little bit darker. And yeah, Madison but, Square Garden is like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So the idea and the concept is cool. I just don't know. It, it must be because it's just not wasn't doable to replicate it the proper way, but it looked bad on television. Um, all right, let's get into that. We got some, some, are we going to do these quick fire? We're going to think about it. What, what do you think? Jim? Yeah, we'll just real quickly. What we did is I, you know, um, some, just a Q and a, a Q, uh, it's Mike, Mike and Joe providing our own Q and a to each other, uh, or for the podcast. And we've got a series of questions. We'll just quickly go through and give our thoughts on real quick. Uh, and I, I sent these to Mike. So I don't know that we've put a ton of research into it, but enough to get some input. Best player you've seen all year. Starting with the tough one. Um, the best player. Now, this doesn't necessarily mean player of the year. This doesn't necessarily mean, uh, you know, just this is the most talented best player that you've seen all year. Oh. <sighs> Stumped them right away. Yeah, this is. I've been thinking about this a lot. So not what they've done. The best actual player. Uh, 
yeah, I'm gonna... It's just too hard for me right now. Well, I'll go first. Yeah. <laughs> no, I am... Again, this goes back to my prospect mode, which is a big part of what I do, evaluations. Uh, and so it's hard for me to... Over, I, I kind of just... I had a tough time like Mike, actually. But... I came back to my roots as who is the best player, the best, most talented. And I still think the most talented, best prospect, best player, and I said a number of times is Max Christie, Roy Meadows. Uh, and, 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 you know, they haven't played the, the schedule some of the other teams have played. I get that. His numbers, though, are staggering. I mean, he's 25, 26 a game, 12 rebounds, three assists, three blocks a game. And he had 21 rebounds this last Saturday. Uh, and, and over his last five games, Mike, he's at 30 points a game, 15 rebounds a game. So that factored into the fact that he's a six-six guard who can just do so much. Uh, and he's, you know, that, he's just the best player that I think there is in the state of Illinois. I mean, that was coming close. If I had to yell, I probably would have said Max Christie, but now that I had your time to think about it, I went to the mode of if I was drafting a team for this high school basketball season, who I would mm-hmm. want first. I, bet you're gonna, I know who you're going to go with. Can I predict it? Don, yeah, go ahead. Ramin Hinn. No, no Don, ah. Don Martinelli. Wow. Yeah, I'd pick him first. I think I considering the supporting cast around him, what he's take. I feel like I could botch the rest of my draft. <laughs> and I mean, that would be my answer to this question. Okay, Who is the most important player on any one team? Yeah. yeah. He would definitely be it. But, yeah, yeah okay. Um, state's best conference. I think this is easy. I, 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 the red um, South, Central. South Central. I mean, I, I don't think there's any way you can go anybody else. And, and those of you that aren't familiar, it's got the big boys at the top and some depth. So you've got Simeon, Morgan Park, Bogan, and Curie. Uh, then you got a Corliss team that's going to go pretty far in two way. Hyde Park. I mean, I, that, that's a yeah. loaded look. Kenwood is solid. Lynn Bloom, who's kind of good, is 0 9 in the conference at 12 and 16 overall, but has some players that are going to play college. The only team I haven't seen. But yeah, it's for the depth it has for its size. Yeah, that, that's a no brainer. Biggest surprise this season. The single biggest surprise. You know, they asked me that on TV before the title game, and I think maybe it doesn't seem like a huge surprise to everybody, but to me, I didn't expect Thornton to be elite. I thought they'd be good. They were ranked good, but I I think they're kind of for real, and I wasn't even sure about that to begin with. They're sitting at number three right now, only got one loss. And see, I'm going to go Thornton being an elite team has been my biggest surprise. Good call. Um, My question on Thornton, Mike, and again, the season's been phenomenal. But other than, I mean, I mean, I just don't see a ton, a, a ton of big wins. No, you know, they beat Bloom kept them from being high in the they, rankings. For they a while, beat Bloom yeah. early in the year without newbie playing. They beat home at Flossmore. You know, they beat in Kankakee a couple times, but they just don't have, you know. And again, they're they're, they're a top five team. I, I they deserve it. But my biggest surprise, without this was easy for me, because I looked at my massive preseason top eighty five, and I had Glenbrook South thirty seven, and not only did I have them thirty seven, Mike, but they they lost four starters from a year ago, mm-hmm. and including standout guard Will King. If you remember, those were a bunch of veteran kids that have been around the program, uh, that that won twenty plus games. They were deep. They were veterans, and they lost it all. Now, Don Martinelli returned, uh, and they needed to find some perimeter shooting to surround Martinelli, and they did find just enough with some some no name guys, you know, Danny Pauletto, uh, Joe Shapiro. But throwing the fact this team, you know, kind of bought into their roles around their star, the development and rise of a pair of sophomores in guard Cooper Nord and and um, Nick Martinelli, who you just weren't sure what their impact was going to be. You know, they are better than last year's team. Uh, there has been obvious skill development and strength improvement w- within this program. Credit to Coach Phil Ralston. And I just think this team is clearly the biggest surprise to me because, you know, they're in position now with a big showdown at the end of the year. 
with one win could win the Central Suburban League South over Evanston, who everybody you know is raved about this year at some point. And Glenbrook South has already beaten them once, so it's gonna be tough, tough task going into Evanston and winning. But Glenbrook South is my biggest surprise. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that is a big one. That's why Don Martinelli is the first pick in any draft. <laughs> well, one, the one team no one is talking about but should be. Uh, that's an easy one for me. I think I've, I've banged this drum a couple times since I, I've, saw, I've seen them twice now. It's Phillips. 17-5. and five. They won the White Central. They're on their way up to the red. They're going to be a major factor in Class 2A. I don't look at those AP rankings. Are they even ranked in 2A in the state? Um, I'm not sure. Yeah, because a lot – Keon Joyner is a all public league. I don't know what team he's going to be on, but he's that good. He could walk into any team in the rankings right now and start immediately. He does it all. He's got kind of that Jeremiah Williams inside outside toughness. You know, he's a college basketball player and you, you add Ronald Pledger, you know, six, five athlete to that. Then there's these two Savage brothers who just are like Farragut players where they're strong and wide and tough and get it done. This team's got a chip on its shoulder. Couldn't be more impressed with Phillips. They, if more teams have picked up losses the last couple of weeks, this is a team that could be ranked. They're that good. It doesn't matter that they're from the white or that they're in two way. Phillips can play. Mine is a little bit out of the box in terms of, we actually talked about them three months ago and I don't think anybody's talked about them in the last month. Lake park. They were in everyone's preseason top 25 after a surprising year last year under Coach Billy Pitcher. Uh, they got off to a fast start. Uh, they only lost one game prior to the holidays uh, to a tough Bundeline team and then won the Pekin Holiday Tournament. And then they fell off the map. They lost about three out of five, come out of the holiday break, fell out of the rankings. You know, they fell out of the conference race in the Duquesne. They're third place. They're out of the race. They're 21 and six, but I like the fact that they're playing very well right now. They've won six of seven. They've drilled their last three opponents by average victory margin of 24 points a game. They've got the guard play and Luce Garbosa, who averages 17 a game, and, and, a, and a disruptor in Montreal Perry, nine points, four assists a game. And, and then the true big, versatile big man and Trevor Montiel is 15 to nine, can step out, make a shot. And I like the fact they have the experience last year of making that tournament run. They surprised Bennett, upset them in the regional, went into the sectional. So I And then the last part that I love, that sectional is awful. The sectional, they're, they're going to be the number one seed, and no one's talking about them. Try to seed that sectional. It, it, it is bad. And it, it's probably one of the worst sectionals I've ever seen in the Chicago area. And... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's a large, loud chuckle from wow. my cohort here. But it is it is terrible. So, Lake Park, the road is set for you. I like this Lake Park team. They're tough. They're gritty. Uh, they play well together. And then if you get through there, Mike, that sectional that I just trashed, <laughs> you are facing a, another sectional that's better, but not all that great. They could be playing a St. Charles. They, they, they could very well be playing a conference foe, St. Charles East or St. Charles North, in the super sectional or a DeKalb or a Rockford school. All of them winnable. So a team that we haven't talked about in over a month, Lake Park, uh, could very well be a team we are talking about a month from now playing a super sectional or playing a Peoria even. Oh, boy. I've seen them three times. I Admittedly, not at their best nights. Mm-hmm. But oh boy, if they were in Peoria, that would be something. <laughs> but in anything I said, not true though. No, no, it's it's you're right. Um, They're gonna be a number one seed yeah. in the worst sectional I've ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. all those opponents in the super sectional are all beatable. Yes. And they're clearly playing. I mean, you look at their resume; it's it's really not awful. I mean, I mean, as far as their schedule. I mean, they, they've, they've had a decent schedule. They've you know, they played the Mundelines tough. They went down to Pekin. They won the Pekin Holiday Tournament. And, and again, they, they, they made that run last year. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're lacking the, the marquee win, the signature win. There's no question about that. But you don't need a signature win in their no. March road. No, you don't. <laughs> so yeah, no, you're right. That's why, yeah. that's why I went with them. 
Yeah, and Scar- uh, Scarbosa's just been a little cold the games I saw, too. You know, if yeah. he, he hits a couple shots in those games that he probably usually does, and who knows where they are. Biggest disappointment, Ooh. or the most disappointing thing you've seen? I'm taking two I, I here, two. Joe, if that's okay right. with you. Because one's, because they're different. Um, Super disappointed that this Lincoln Park team didn't get to play in the city tournament and isn't going to get to be at mm-hmm. state. You know, I think Lincoln Park has a reputation of um, it's hard to say burgeoning cause they've been in and out, you know, Cyrus McGinnis and blah, blah, blah. But you know, they never quite get that big win, you know, I guess in the city right. tournament or at state. And I think this was the year that was going to happen. I'm on the right. I was really, really high on this team. I thought Romel Howard had become a force I, I, when they played young early in the year, he was good. But he, he's, he became a different player throughout the course of the season. And I think with Romel Howard playing how I'd seen and the way those other guards play with a chip on their shoulder, I think Young would have had all they could handle. I think Simeon would have had all they could handle. I was very high on this Lincoln Park team. So it's really sad they didn't even get a chance. But as far as the season goes, a team that I had a lot of hopes for, a team that I, I've seen play very well, it's not just disappointing, it's kind of shocking. It's Oak Park. What, yeah. what is happening there? I mean, they're 13 and 10 right now, I believe. Had a lot and, and lost their fresh off. Well, this yeah. they're fresh off a loss. Uh, this, you, you, you took my team. Um, oh, okay. Well, there, go right. So we, we, yeah. we have combined yeah. and, and my, my eye opener. And, and again, I haven't talked to coach Matt Maloney in a, you know, a few weeks, but you know, cause there's always some circumstances with certain teams that you, you, you're always not positive of. And I'll tell you, man, Mike, this is a side note real quick. I've never heard more coaches talk to me about or tell me about like illnesses or the flu wrecking yeah. through their team yeah. than this year. Uh, Great, that, yeah, that's same. been very true. Yeah. But uh, they just lost to Glenbard West without Braden Huff. Oh, yeah. You know, and and anybody who's seen Glenbard West, they're they're a they're a nice little team that's going to be much better the next two years. They're sophomore dominated, but Braden Huff is their leading scorer, a 17-point-per-game guy, 6'8", mismatch nightmare, who had a monster game against Oak Park the first time they met him. Didn't even play. Uh, you know, so the, the the hope that I had, and even seeing Oak Park in some of their losses, you know, even watching them, in, you know, at the beginning of the year, or at Pontiac, uh, you had this, like, okay, well, you know, they're piling off some losses against a really good schedule, but you're, you're, you're right. It's just been shocking to me. Um, and again, there is youth. They are young. They they aren't very senior dominated at all. I mean, so that's that's part of it. But thirteen and ten, yes, you're you're, you're correct. How about favorite team to watch? Your favorite team over the course of the year has been Oak Forest. I hmm. I like that they're like a normal high school. You know, it's like a high school team that got this young kid <laughs> that's like superstar good and Robbie Avila. And his brother was already there, and, you know, he's their gritty leader. And then they got this, you know, Jason Kent kid who was better than people realized. And they're kind of new to the scene, and they're really appreciative of everything. And their schedule wasn't kind of up to par because, you know, they're not used to that kind of stuff. <laughs> but now they've they picked up that Curie game, and it just it feels like a really real atmosphere and environment. And it's a place where I'd gone – they'd have a lot of 20 win seasons. I'd showed up near the end to see them and there'd be nobody in the gym. And that's turned around where the, the school's excited. And, you know, it's been packed a couple times I've been there. And it, to me, it's a really fun story this year. And I, I, it's just fun to watch kind of a new burgeoning thing like that. Who knows how long it'll last and what'll go on, but I think they're fun. hundred percent agree. Uh, and you just mentioned a question right there at the end. My favorite, if we had a favorite team story, That'd be it. Yeah. The community, you know, and, and they couldn't, I mean, they knew they were going to be good, but I mean, you, you don't know how it's going to transpire when you had never done it before and haven't been there before. So yeah, I, I agree with that. I, I have a different flavor with the favorite team to watch when, when they're playing at their peak, when they are playing their best, I think bloom is the most fun team to watch just from their, their, they got the stars. They've got this, they're probably the most fun, fast, athletic team. High flying dunks. You got Shoemate and Maddox and Keyshawn Williams, and I mean, when they are rolling and they're humming, they are a load, and they are fun to watch from, you know, the, from the eye. And 
to me, when they're at that level, uh, you're not going to find a more fun team to watch in high school basketball. Yeah, very true. They're almost they're too much fun. <laughs> yeah, into that, <laughs> they start to focus on that. Here's yeah, a, here's yeah. yeah here's a fun one, Mike. Down one, three seconds left. Who do you want taking your shot? This is the Ramian Hinton easy. I I don't think I've ever seen anybody hit so many buzzer beaters in one game as I saw him against Simeon, including he'd already hit I think three in the game, and then in overtime. He the game winner was falling out of bounds. <laughs> he was already down. Yeah, definitely hitting. Um, nobody else is even close to me. Yeah, good. That's a good call. I, I mean, he can. He's got size. I, I look at a lot of factors. They gotta have some size. They gotta have some perimeter skills. Be able to get their shot off, and they gotta have the moxie to do it. And and you're right, hitting hits that. I'm gonna go with a different player though. Uh, partly to kind of mix it up and not rehash the same thing. But I'm gonna go DJ Stewart. I like. I think he plays with a world of confidence. I think he has a, an array of abilities to take and make different shots. I think he has. He can shoot a three. He's efficient. Mid-range pull up. He can pull up, and he can get to the rim. And he's got the ball skills to get to the rim. So I, I like the idea of DJ Stewart having the ball in his hands the closing seconds. Do you know who I've seen miss more game winners this year than anybody? <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm only ripping on DJ Stewart because he's, he's a good kid and he can handle it. And I've written two, two or three stories about it now, about how I feel like we're setting up perfectly for him to hit one. Because <laughs> right. everything Joe said is correct, and I could see him doing that. But, yes, he's missed at least two, maybe three game winners. Yeah, that, that season opener in Morgan Park, which yeah. was right there, yeah. Well, that wasn't even a shot. That was – you know, well, anyway, best team that has the most to prove in March. Best team that has the most to prove. Not, not best team. I'm sorry. Just what team? It doesn't make sense. Best team. What, what team, team has the, has most, the most to prove in March? Ooh, this one's uh, – I did not have a ready um, – eh. Young. That's a good one. You know, they – Everybody yeah. knows they're good. You watch them play. You know they, they. You know they're good. DJ Stewart might be the best player. We got. You know every Tyler Beard is taking his game up to another level. You know they've picked up some nice national wins, but they're sitting here ranked number ten right now, and their local resume, even for a top ten team, is kind of crappy. So I think they've got a lot to prove. Yeah, I, I just think we've been down this road with Young a time or two in the past where. Not that we've written them off, or I, I just feel like this conversation we're having right now is similar to past ones. But we've also and, had it years when they didn't win it. People forget they did, those. They didn't didn't win what state? <laughs> you know. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm not. I mean, for every year that, they've that, done that, that's it. Kind, that's yeah. kind of like a a pretty high bar. <laughs> you know, think? To, to win state <laughs> yeah. uh, as your. But everybody you know, keeps saying that to me too. Oh, Young's just going to go and win state after. Win no, I don't mean they're going to win state. I just mean that they are, just because their record is what it is, and they haven't done what you would like for them to do locally, which is you know get past the quarterfinals in the city. You know, I I just believe that, like I'm not concerned about them at all. I mean, I, and if they get to Peoria, it wouldn't shock me. They have a rugged road to get there now. Um, you know, I, I just. I just think they're always well. I, I think they're always prepared going into March, and despite the record, and and, and despite, yeah. you know, and locally, Mike. I mean, they, they haven't played anyone other than Morgan Park. I mean, I, I mean in their, I mean, the Oregon didn't count. They didn't, they didn't play any of their starters. Um, they lost to Morgan Park in the season opener, which I hate season openers. And not, I just don't think they're that indicative of of the season. They beat Lincoln Park. At Lincoln Park. That's the big. Yeah. Um, it was great, yeah. So, I mean. But, I mean, the or game should have counted. They made it, it not count. Well, all right, but it's hard. You can't gauge anything on it is what I'm saying. Uh, you know, I watched a couple of their games online. They, 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 they've they've had some moments. You know, the Christian Brothers game was pretty pretty great. Um, you know, they lost to Vashon in, in a tight one. But, anyway, I'll get to my answer. I'm going back to what my favorite team to watch bloom just simply because we've talked about it all year long. I won't go into it. This is the year. This is the team. This is the, the senior veterans, five division one seniors preseason. Number one, 
they've been talked about, raved about. I just talked about them being the most fun team to watch. They don't have an easy road, and it's going to be a daunting task to get through that sectional and then win a super. But I, I think they they have the most to prove um, going ahead forward and, in March. And they're I got a feeling they're going to be number one when the playoffs start. You know, I I could see Curie probably dropping that Notre Dame game. Um, you know, I gave Curie a mulligan because, you know, basically they they've beaten every team they've played this year. They beat mm. Simeon, but then they lost to him. They beat the Mississippi team, but then they lost to him. But you know, without Mike Oliver back, I, I just worry. So I got a feeling Bloom's going to head into the playoffs as the number one preseason team, the number one current team, with all the weight on their shoulders. And you're totally right; an awful lot to prove. Yeah. Want to look, look ahead of the week? Um. Yeah. Let me get that up here. Sorry, everybody. I. Uh... Oh yeah. On uh, uh, Tuesday, uh, it's a big Catholic league game. It'll decide pretty yes. much the, the Paul Prep at Loyola. Uh, all eyes will be on that in the Chicago Catholic League. Uh, twenty-seven, twenty-four. And what do you final. think? I mean, because they've both been dropping games they shouldn't the last week. Well, they both have dropped games to Brother Rice. <laughs> Brother Rice has somehow risen up and and, went, and Fenwick and, and knocked them both out. Yeah, yeah I mean Fenwick oh, was a big result because those are two teams that will meet in the sectional. So yeah. that's why, you know, I and so I mean at Loyola, I'll go Loyola thirty four thirty two. All right, making the predict. That, there's no weekend forecasts. No weekend forecasts. So yeah, have to deal with that. Um, yeah. The other one kind of I had earmarked. I even might wind up here. Might sound weird, but Zion Benton at Lake Forest. Uh huh. I want to see the Lake Forest freshman, and they've been yeah, playing better lately. Uh, yeah, yeah. And I tell you what, Phyllis Guy's done a great job at Lake Forest. This is not a team with a whole lot of um, talent, I guess. Uh, and he's managed to squeeze out. I don't know what the record is. They're like. Uh, it's clear they've been improving. I, I mean, mean, they are sixteen and ten. But for him to get 16 wins out of this with a freshman as your leading scorer, that, that's that's pretty that's pretty impressive. Yeah, I want to see him and Amar Aguillard, and so that sounds like an interesting matchup. Uh, Glenbard West is at Lions. Hillcrest is at Romeoville. Kind of a fun one here. Kenwood at Evanston. Kenwood doesn't have a great record, but they can play. Um, the Lane Taft game that did not happen because of the wet floor and wet everything has been rescheduled for Tuesday at five. Sounds like they're only going to let like 600 people in, though, so good luck with that. And then the other one I'm considering on Tuesday, maybe, Schomburg at Cary Grove. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, that should be fun. Uh, St. Yeah. Pat's at Oak Park. And uh, Plainfield North, Nequa Valley, I shoved in there. And then, oh my goodness, everybody. Remember last week's Wednesday and Thursday? Mm. It's back. Um, Wednesday and Thursday is rough. I wish they'd moved Lane Taft to one of those days. Uh, I've got nothing for you. Thursday is the worst of the, of the entire year. Yeah, it's bad. Wednesday, you can go see Phillips I've been talking about. Phillips is at Wells. I might walk over there to check those guys out since it's close. But, yeah, Wednesday and Thursday is rough. And then Friday, we've got another tough one for Loyola is at Fenwick. Uh, Glenbrook South at Evanston, the rematch. Uh, Naperville Central's at Wabonzi Valley. Palatine at Schaumburg. Lake Zurich, who Joe talked about, is at Mundelein. Mundelein might have been my number two team if I had picked a um, fun to watch. I like watching Mundelein. They're, uh... wait, 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 what did you just say? I think Mundelein's really fun to watch. No, 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 no. The, the matchup. Oh, Lake Zurich at Mundelein. Yeah, I didn't talk about Lake Zurich, though. Lake Park. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> My bad. Uh, Morton at Proviso East. Uh, we have not talked about Proviso East, I don't think, at all this year, but they picked up a nice win, knocked Tinsdale South out of the rankings um, this week. And Morton's fun to watch, if you haven't seen them. I know a lot of people did not go to Proviso West um, this season, but that's a scrappy little team of um little guys who shoot it and play some fun basketball i would i'd actually highly recommend checking out morton if you haven't this year they play fun um then hinsdale central at york uh york's coming along and wait shockey didn't play the last game or something did you i did not know that i think maybe he was out of game and they still won yeah york's a team they might make another very scary playoff run i'm starting to think um then saturday bennett is at stevenson curie at oak forest Riverside Brookfield at Lions. That's all I've got for Saturday. So, not yeah. a great. Well, Curie at Oak Forest will be really. I think I'll be there. Uh, that'll be really interesting. Yeah, that's a three o'clock game. So I don't think matinee. I don't think you can get from Oak Forest to Stevenson after that. Um, no. 
which I was thinking of trying to do. But yeah, it should be a um, a fun week overall. Some weird games like that. Um, anything else we haven't hit? Oh, Indian Creek stayed undefeated. I think we should mention that. They, the big test was Hope Academy, and they beat them. It was at Indian Creek. I think it wasn't even super close. I forget the score exactly now, but they remain undefeated, Joe. I think I was told by my dad that Indian Creek, which was Shabana, was undefeated in 1958. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. I feel like I should so, write that down. Okay. <laughs> yeah, all right. I, I'll have to double-check my yeah. uh, uh, Hoops Report uh, crack uh, research staff of my dad. But, um, <laughs> yeah. yeah so. <laughs> there you go. And, you know, people, uh, you know, I wrote that. I was worried a little bit about uh, Everybody loves this Indian Creek story. Um, I got a – I think I didn't have a notebook that – Hope Academy night or yeah Saturday night or whatever, but but yeah people are interested, so I think we can uh, talk some Indian Creek on No Shot Clock. Uh, I think if you put Creek in any school name, it's kind just of makes it cool. better. Yeah, <laughs> I really thought about that. It's uh, it's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, wow. All right. Well, thanks everybody for listening. We will be back next week. Of course.